uh, we're going to get dirty. Put your hands in there and get some shit done. Last thing we need is more meetings. That's exactly right. And, you know, what do people do when they're not in meetings? They watch sports. Yes. And they they go about, you know, trying to find ways to, you know, make themselves. Sometimes people watch sports while they're in meetings, you know, especially yeah, during. Yes. Sometimes if you're if, if you're not, uh, you know, if you're not entertaining someone or there's no purpose for them to be there, then. Yeah, I, I there's there's. Two, two funny stories about that before we jump into our actual topic. But it, there was a, a managing director at a large bank that we were doing work with. And he was a pretty no holds barred kind of guy, but he got drug into all of these different meetings. And after about five minutes, you would find him literally just watching stuff on his phone, <laughs> not paying any attention whatsoever. And it's like, yeah, yeah. Like there's no reason for you to be here. There's no purpose you're going to say like three words while you're here. So yeah, he's just whatever, just reading news or watching videos on his phone. Looking, <laughs> looking, looking entertained by the meeting, but not really because he's entertained by whatever else he's watching. Yeah. But he at least wasn't an ass about it. The other, the other guy that I'm talking to, this was, this was quite a while ago, but if you were even in a meeting of like one-on-one or whatever, and he was kind of looking at you across his desk. If if he got bored at any particular time, he would just kind of swivel his chair around to his desk and just start just to start doing things, and just didn't have any like completely still talking or whatever. But he has just mentally completely checked out and literally would turn around and disappear. Basically, yeah, oh, that like, is he awesome. Turn his back completely to you, but it would be just kind of like at a ninety degree angle, and he would just start doing things. That is great. That's where I like my two camera setup, where I can switch to my wide my wide uh, screen and go to the wide view. <laughs> uh, I mean, at some point, it's like you 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 know. The one with soccer all the time. Only bring them when they're actually necessary. And, you know, if if you only need three people, then only bring three people. Well, and they need to bring the herd. Yeah, that goes to a different topic, right? That goes to effectively managing the attendance for the meeting, right? Which is, again, not what we're here to talk about today, but something that people do not do well. They just they they like to CC everyone, whether it's into a meeting or on an email. Right. And that's a bad thing. Very bad. But during um, during soccer, it seemed more than anything because the soccer games were always playing at weird times. So I would get on meeting at weird times when you're when you're in the U.S. Correct. (laughs) Fair. But if you're talking about European soccer, then it's yeah. Well, most people don't watch soccer in the U.S. still, I think. Um, You'd get more more popular, believe it or not. But it's still like from a from like a top five sports, it's nowhere even close. No, because we don't have time for it. And I don't mean time in our own personal time. But if you look at all the sports we have in the U.S. today, each one takes up a time block and a seasonal block. So when you think about how much time you personally spend to watch sports, if I add another sport, you're like, well, I don't know where to add it in. I already watch basketball during this time i watch baseball this time i watch football this time i might watch hockey at this time and you're like oh now you want me to watch soccer i don't know where to fit it in so that makes it difficult for somebody to decide which one do they drop to watch soccer so here's some interesting stats this is up to 2017 and i believe that this has actually happened now but um some stats from gallup around 
the top four sports in the U S and around. So up until the mid sixties, baseball was King by a mile, but around 1970 ish football became the American football became yep. the, the, the pure King, but going up until 2017, basketball actually overtook baseball as more popular. And then now soccer is about to overtake baseball as a more important, more important as a popular, more popular uh, sport. Yeah. Uh, which I like, I like soccer over baseball anyway, so I'm, I'm okay with that, but that's interesting and interesting stats, I guess. And I guess my question would end up being, is that more for the U.S. teams? Because our teams are not as popular, I think, than worldwide. Or is that just generally because the population is starting to watch soccer globally? Right. So we're watching some of the really high end teams that are coming from other countries. I think it has a lot to do with the availability of soccer from around the world. Yeah. I mean, soccer is by far the most popular sport in the world. Like, worldwide yes worldwide i mean it's it is you know i think the the um world cup brings in something like four billion views and where if you look at something like the the super bowl brings in around a hundred ish million views yeah and so those aren't even close i mean and i know the world cup is is not a singular event so it's a little bit you know, not, you know, apples and oranges kind of comparison, but. Well, to your point, it's actually world wide sport. Unlike yeah. our world series for baseball, that's not really worldwide. Just not saying. really. No, <laughs> but I think this brings, you know, a, a bit of an interesting thing kind of around the topic today of kind of AR and VR and in sports where, you know, baseball is looked at as not an very engaging sport where, you know, it used to be America's pastime because you would go and hang out at the baseball stadium for four hours. And well, and it was, it was a cheap thing, thing to do thing with to your do. family too. Yeah. Yeah. And you could go and enjoy yourself. And, yep. but when it comes to excitement, and again, it was probably a bunch of baseball people are going to hate me for this, but baseball is not the most exciting game to watch. Right. Where, you know, soccer and football, there's a lot more action going on at any particular time. But, you know, as time has gone by, especially with watching baseball on television, there's been more and more kind of I think they were some of the leaders in kind of the augmented reality of sports where, oh, well, I can draw the like when you're watching it on TV. I can draw the little box to show you where. The strike zone is right. Right. You're I saying can, baseball started to was right. Right. And, you know, that gives people more information to be able to, to get excited about a particular event that might've happened in, in the game. Something to talk about, something that's visually appealing while they're watching the game, at least something to, to, but, but to our topic here, when you go to the stadium, you lose that today. Yeah. Right. I see that when I'm home, but I don't see that when I'm I'm sitting in a stadium. And one of the one of the articles that we had picked up started talking about what are the four areas 
that this might help with, which is, you know, training and uh, performance for like a coach helping or like you're talking about here, which is a mix between like the the referee. What is it? Hawkeye, which is the, the monitoring and the visibility system uh, to the fans themselves or the athletes even leveraging some of the AR VR. I think it would be really oh. cool as a to the point you have there. It'd be really cool to see that while I was sitting in the stadium, just like if you were sitting at home. So if you had augmented re- reality glasses on and you could see the the strike zone, you could still see that area as you're watching the field. I would make the case that watching almost any sport live is arguably worse in person. Like the actual, like the, the atmosphere is much better. The camaraderie of the crowd and yeah, like the energy, all of that you can't get anywhere else, but the actual enjoyment of the game is far worse. If you're in a stadium trying to watch it. I mean, in baseball, unless you're sitting right behind the pitcher, you're going to have no idea. Is it a strike? Is it a ball? Is it whatever? Right. In football, you're pretty far away. You can't see what's actually happening. Soccer, you can be a hundred yards away from somebody. And you, how much are you really going to be able to see at any particular time where, you know, as you're watching something on television, you're getting replays, you're getting analysis, you're getting, you know, overlays on the screen of what's actually happening and everything else where that makes it a much, really much more enjoyable way of watching it. Yeah. And I, and I think it depends on the sport. I don't know about you, but I'll find baseball. I, I enjoy going to the stadium to go to the stadium, um, but the game is boring. Like you said, it's much slower. I usually end up taking a nap in my chair, <laughs> uh, yeah. but it, it's fun to watch on TV. It's a different experience. Hockey. I like in person um, football. I don't because football, again, I always seem to be on the other side of the stadium, no matter where I sit. So I always miss half the game because you're watching it on the TV anyway, because you can't see to watch the actual game. Well, why do you think they put the gigantic ass jumbotron up there? It's so you can actually kind of watch to see all the replays and everything else that actually happened. Right. But then I've fought through traffic. I've stood on all these lines. I had to go through a a TSA pre kind of line, just like I was at the airport to get into the stadium at this point, because everybody's, you know, beers. Yep. Um, a hundred and something dollars in food. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's it, you know, I think it's, it's interesting as you start to think about, you know, the in-person experience can be interesting, but I, I think we're going to end up moving further and further away from, from in-person in a lot of ways, people are always going to want to go, but there's so much against it. And like you just said, I mean, you're going to go spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars and have a subpar experience. Like if you actually like the sport and you like the game, you're probably, you know, you're probably going to want to watch it with some other kind of, of augmented reality kind of thing. You know, if you're like, we've talked about the Apple vision pro and stuff like that. If you can have the ability to see multiple things in front of you and be able to watch it and be immersed in it in some way, that is going to be a much better way of going about doing it. Yeah. I, uh, I thought of it in two, as I was taking my notes, I thought of two things and one was just general stats, right? Maybe you want to know about the players. You want to know how the team is currently doing overall and pulling up that information. I think someone would enjoy that. They'd find that useful. Mm-hmm. 
where my well, brain that, that went kind of brings me to like something like red zone you've ever watched red yeah. zone for kind of american football where you could have multiple games on on the kind of the right and left side you can have your scores you can have player stats you can have you know the like picker across the bottom it, almost like watching a news like a, like a news channel just stuff everywhere right and then it's a set of information that it, it, it's kind of hard to beat now what i thought would be interesting let's add to that the the thing i think is interesting is now if i have uh, virtual teams that i create like let's say i play um uh what you call it? I haven't played in forever, but fantasy football or you play fantasy baseball, something like that. The ability to create my team and then see the stats of my team while I'm watching the game that I'm watching. So I can flip back and forth to see, I might be watching, let's say I'm doing fantasy football. I'm watching real time, the game where my quarterback is playing but I want to see how the rest of my teams are and my stats of my team are doing overall to know am I winning or am I losing against my, my fantasy teams and the ability to see that in an augmented reality format. So as I'm enjoying one game, I'm also watching the spot where I'm betting. So it's, it's the idea of being able to enhance our ability to um, bet if you bet or just play that fantasy game against some friends at work or, you know, friends you have in the real world. Yeah, and some of that kind of exists now where I have a bunch of friends that are super big into fantasy football. And when they watch, they'll have multiple TVs up and then they'll have their laptop or iPad and they'll have all of their fantasy stuff up there that they're getting real time updates. And, um, you know, that's not one cohesive view, but you, I could see someone easily putting that together into... Like I think the vision pro really is where something like this shines where you can have, I mean, inside of that visual space, you can have that, you know, Chrome tab or whatever thing open and then have a, another spot where you're watching the video or multiple videos. You could have your betting app there. And just by looking at something and you can visually kind of click on it and you can move things around and do things inside of that kind of augmented world that, you, 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 not that you couldn't do somewhere else, but it would just be very clunky. Yeah. And that mixed reality, because that's really what it is, the mix, the ability to have some augmented and some virtual reality, like in that headset, is going to change how we interact with sports, like we're saying here, right? It, it, mm-hmm. The ability to bring up all that content and have all that information there is going to be uh, amazing, right? Um, I think in that same space i think our betting world the betting world in general around sports is going to change because though fantasy football is there we also have the ability to now get more real-time interaction with the game so now what if i may if i like betting on sports in my headset in my either my phone as an augmented reality or the I, we keep going to the headsets, but because I, I think they'll be better, like having normal sunglasses at some point that can give you this data is going to be amazing. Right. But what if I can do enhanced betting? I can quickly bet on a game while I'm watching it. Right. Betting companies are going to love that. Now, what if I have the ability to add some machine learning into this and I'm running my own statistics on all the games I'm watching? 
right? Now this is taking it out of the headset a little bit, but it's taking the information to the next level, which is now I'm doing predictive analytics for myself based on what I'm watching, based on all the data I pull together to make predictions on how I want to bet. Like this could go down all kinds of paths, but I think it adds another level of interaction into a game that we don't get today, which would thus allow more people to enjoy the game in different ways. And allow for maybe that audience, as you mentioned earlier, to continue to increase for certain games or certain types of games. I agree. Um, I think there's a, you know, you kind of bring up the sports betting and there's a, a, in my opinion, a lot of negative that has also come with sports betting in that kind of way. And what I at least I think that betting is the is kind of the driver behind some of this. But one of the the issues that has come up over the last ten years or so it has really been the well. So like in in soccer, so like European soccer, they have VAR, which is the you know the um, uh, virtual assistant referee. Right. In a lot of other sports, they have the you know, kind of the video, you know, yeah. Hawkeye. Um, well, so Hawkeye right? I think is different. Okay. But, but the, you have the, you know, the instant replay frame by frame. Yeah. Was the video assistance, the, the video yeah. assistance referee, right. Where they do the instant replay like that. Well, and here's the, here's the problem that has come up where you, you hear people talk about, the they're trying to especially in this ar space we're trying to make sports more fair well what's happened in almost every sport over the last 10 years since we've started to inject especially virtual the virtual assistant referees the rules of the game are no longer good enough right so you go back a handful of years and this still happens in like american football where what is a catch how do you actually define a catch? And if you're watching it in real time, it's, well, the guy catches the ball and the ball doesn't hit the ground. Well, what happens when you start to move this thing into frame by frame, super, super slow-mo, how do you define if the ball actually hit the ground and did it, did the ball move? And so you start to go down these roads of adding in more and more complexity but you're ne- there's there's in my opinion there's never an end, and so take like hockey for example. There's there's offsides calls. There's you know lots of things that are subjective by the referee, and or red cards have been a big issue inside of European soccer this year. Well, again, when you have super super or handballs, when you have a super super slow mo, you can now make the case of oh well this thing just nicked this guy's elbow. Is that, is that a handball? Is it not a handball? Technically by the rules, if it's below, you know, below the shirt line on your arm, it's a handball, right? Well, you've, you've started to, in my opinion, ruin the fan experience for a lot of games. Like I'm a huge soccer fan. And whenever you see a goal go in, 
you want to cheer, but you're like, oh, it's probably going to get called away. <laughs> and so you get this cheer. Yay. Oh, no. Now we're going to sit here and wait for a minute or two minutes or God knows how long. Oh, nope. Yep. It's a goal. Yeah. Oh, yay. Okay. And you, you've lost to me the excitement of what made sports sports. You're losing because that. That is a very exciting excitement. thing. And you've now turned it into this very clinical it, it, and I think betting has a lot to do with that because Vegas wants to make sure that you got it right because they're going to end up paying out potentially over these things. And who actually wins? Is it the, 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 the person that's watching the sports that is in the enjoyment of it, or does it have to be technically correct so that betting doesn't have, you know, losses that they're they're not happy about yeah and it, one of the reasons I, and i agree with you and it's one of the reasons i do kind of bring up betting as one of the areas in here because we also know that things like betting and certain other key areas in the world uh, they bring the revenue in to create these kind of things that thus allow more adoption of uh, like ar and vr and other things that have happened you know over the history of the world, it is certain areas like betting that bring that uh, bring that forward. The idea of betting and sports together uh, allow us to hopefully have more adoption of the headsets. But then again, like you just said, I think it breaks. And I agree. I think it breaks the enjoyment and the excitement that we get from the sport itself. The, well, the you, idea you of having like- it tell you every time whether somebody played perfectly or not. Like, I like the idea, if I'm going to watch a game with you, of us arguing over whether that play really was, you know, a good play or not, instead of being told by a computer. Well, and, and it's it to me, you could solve the the kind of the VAR problem or the, the, the video assistant problem if you force those people to watch it in real time. Where you can't go frame by frame, super zoomed in. Because the, the 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 tighter you look in on something, the the less the rules are going to apply, and it becomes very very difficult to be able to discern what is a thing or not. Right, but that's not and where the enjoyment of the game time, is. Anyway. It becomes less of an issue because it's like, oh well, of course, okay, well, you know, the ball came up by him, but it didn't really look like it. You know, it hit his arm, even though when you zoom 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 in, maybe it just touched the, you know, the tip right. of his elbow. But, but that's not where people are having. People are not enjoying the game because of that, you know, um, attention to detail, that attention to detail for all those little rules is not why people enjoy this game. It's not why people watch any of the games, right? It's, it is for the overall gameplay, the excitement, like you said, when you get a touchdown or a goal or, you know, whatever, something happens, that excitement, the, the amount of energy in a, a soccer stadium, is unreal. I mean, control. So if you've never been to a European soccer game. Go. You've never felt electric until you go to to see one of those games. Right. So if we continue to follow the path of having virtual referees, basically, we're going to based on what we're talking about, we're going to ruin that energy mm-hmm. because if every time something happens, we have to stop for a minute for the computer to tell us what actually happened, right? Uh, you and I were talking about this before we were actually going to record. Do you remember the the conversation for soccer where people fall down 
right? People, people, it's part of the game, right? You know, people accidentally, people act like it's more acting. People act like they got hit in the shins, right? So it's all part of the game. Oh, just flop around, you know? Oh, just, just drop to the ground, holding their face, holding their face. And they look up to see if anybody's looking. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. I've never, (laughs) I've never been so brutalized in my life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's part of the game. Right. And if we do virtual referees, is that going to stop? And then if that stops, that's actually part of the game that's been around forever. Like, is it going to ruin part of the game? Because a a completely virtual referee is not going to be able to tell if a person is faking it or not. But you don't know. It takes a human to be able to do it because there's a lot of times where the ref will just look at him and go, no, no, get your ass up. <laughs> like, this is absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, that's it, because it comes down to, you know, how well that ref knows a given player, knows their history, knows everything else that's happening, and no computer would ever be able to do that. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe not. Tomo- up, maybe not today or tomorrow. So but disjointed that would be uh, be awful. But it's going to ruin the game. Is the point? Ruin the game. Right. Absolutely ruin the game. Yeah. And I think we're you see it in you it in every kind of action type sport you see it. Yeah. Where it's it's and I think the 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 opposite of that is like you brought up Hawkeye or in soccer like the goal line technology or in hockey did the puck make it make it across the line of the net? That is a black and white. Yes or no. There's no interpretation to that whatsoever. Right. And I think that technology is amazing because it, you know, I think tennis is a great example. That ball is going to like a hundred miles an hour and to have a human that can tell like a quarter of an inch is, is honestly amazing, but having a computer be able to say, is there sunlight between that? Yes or no. It's going to be far better. Yeah. But that, that is not, you don't need to interpret that. It is a yes or a no. You know, the, the guy going in for a tackle in soccer and having his cleats up a little bit. Is it a red card? Is it not a red card? Go argue it at the pub the next day. Right. And, and there needs to be a fine line of where you do use this and don't use this. Otherwise, I, I like we've been saying, we're beating on it now, right? Is It's going to hurt the game, I think, in some ways. Where I do think it helps the game, just to switch around a little bit, is the idea of using some of this technology to help the players. So think Absolutely. of it more of the training and coaching side of it. I, the like this part, I don't, I don't think you can understate how much of an impact over the last 15, 20 years, this type of stuff has had in just about every sport. Yeah. Well, and sorry. Uh, good. And I think the, the, the sport that has had the most impact by this is golf. Yeah. Where you can do video analysis, you can do pinpoint exactly, you know, I'm also a, a pretty big golfer. At least I used to be look at the PGA tour, just about every freaking person's swing looks almost identical. You go back 20 years ago and everybody had a completely different swing. Right. Now you've got this, these textbook, perfect, just picture perfect swings because you've, they've, they've had video, They've had, you know, kind of the track mans of the world. And for people that may not know what a track man is, it gives you departure at like the angle spin all. I mean, every freaking number you can come up with launch angles, all of these different things of you can, you know, you can hit this perfect. 
perfect. You have a perfect swing from video. You have a perfect, you know, launch and everything else from a, a perspective. And it just absolutely, and they've all just turned into just from a, like, well, well, I'll jump to that in a second, but it, it just comes out perfect. And if you can go and mimic this, then great. Just go do it. Well, the systems now help them to do that, right? Is if you can do your golf swing analysis, uh, do you remember that old thing that was on TV? It was an infomercial for the, it was PVC pipe in a big circle. And if you laid your, your club against it, you could try to get the perfect swing based on the circle. Right. But yeah, now yeah. you can put the virtual reality. So in my mind, if I was going to go learn this, I'd want to see my swing and I'd want to understand my body position. So some of this might be the ability to do AR VR, like we're saying, but also a little IOT. Right. And I have some, mm-hmm. some way for it to monitor my stance and everything else. Or if somebody's coaching me, they're using the headset standing and watching me. So then I'm getting that input from their visual as well as my visual. Then I want to be able to do, I want to look down the fairway and I want to be able to do some distance tracking so I can see that I know it's, you know, a hundred foot, to the flag and I should use this iron and this is how I should swing it. And then I want to see how it happens. So what I think is going to happen, what actually happens. And then I get before and after like all this information would allow me to get better faster. And I think that's, and that's where exactly what happens. That track man will give you to basically the centimeter, how, how far you've hit it. Yeah, and see, it will give you all of it. Yeah, it's great. You can, you know, it'll tell you, it'll, you know, even at, in the indoor monitors, it'll give you the exact flight path of what that ball is going to do. And you know, like if, if you watch any kind of golf, it's, oh, well, I need a 76 yard shot. And I guarantee you that pro has a 76 yard shot. It, and a 74 yard shot and a 79 yard shot. Right. Like, you wouldn't think so, but they practice, especially in those, the wedges, they practice all of those yardages so much that, and through track man and through everything else. Oh, well I hit, the, Oh, Nope. Hit that one a little bad. It's going to go a little bit, little, they, they know almost instantly because they have so much information. Yeah. And they've created that muscle memory. So they know how fast the swing, how slow to swing, what angle to hold it. Like everything they've done it so so often yeah and you know you can see it in the so in the driving distance for for the pga tour you go back to like the mid 80s and the the average driving distance on tour was 278.2 so of the 150 ish people that are on the pga tour the average driving distance was 278 and now for this last year the average distance was the, the average leader's distance. Sorry. So for the best driver out there, what was their average drive? So make sure that. So for 1985, it was, who was, what was this guy's name? Andy Bean, never heard of him, but 278, 1986, it was Davis Love the third, 285. You go to 2023, it's Rory McIlroy. It's 326.6 yards. That's a big difference. Like that's average. Like it's out of control. Yeah. You know, you, it's like, Oh, 350 yard drive. Yeah, sure. Whatever. And it, a lot of that has to do with two things. One, what we've been talking about with, you know, every piece of data known to man, but then the other part of it is the, the physical ability of these guys. And while it's not AR or VR having, 
all of this information to make you the most optimized athlete in the world from a physical perspective is the other part to that that says, yeah, like we'll make you the best robot possible to swing a golf club and we'll make you the most physically, you know, prime specimen to be able to hit it. Yeah. And one thing that comes to mind as you say that is I wonder if we're seeing it today or if it's going to be possible to take B players and now help them to become the A players, because this is making A players become A plus players. So theoretically, we should see more really good athletes that are considered to be B teams make it into the A team just because this is helping them to level up, you know, a little bit more. Here's really the downside of, of all of this is so a track man will cost you about $20,000. And that's just part of the equation from a golf perspective. There's the pressure pads, there's video, there's all this kind of, it's thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Unless you have that kind of money, you will not have access to these. Right. But if you're playing on a minor league team, let's say, even though I'm talking, going to talk baseball is because I'm thinking about sure. one scenario, but you're on a minor league team. And you're trying to be either a backup for the major league or you're just trying to get onto the major league team because you want to go play in the game. Right. Um, or as they say, play in the show. Right. So. Will that help to take more of your minor league team players, right, the team overall and get them up to that? So if you're a single golfer, you might not have the 20 grand to throw at it to become a professional. But if you're on a larger team and there's some technology there to help whether it's baseball football hockey something else basketball uh, does that help us to take more of the minor league teams and create more major league players what what i think it does and this is close to what you're saying i think is you're going to be able to maximize your ability but that's the idea right and like there there is i don't know if it's going to bring everyone up but you'll find the kind of the diamond in the rough in maybe the minor leagues that, Oh, well, Hey, this guy, you know, maybe he didn't have all of this instruction and, and, you know, video and everything else. And a lot of what we talk about in golf really does apply to hitting in baseball. Right. But, you know, you're going to get the most value, you know, get that guy up to the best that he can be. That might be in the majors, but he just hasn't had, either the coaching or the talent or the time to be able to, to show that in the space that he's been kind of living in. Right. Well, and, and so, so where this is coming from, where my brain is thinking is if you think about visualization, right? Visualization in sports has been around forever, right? The ability for me to picture in my mind, how I'm performing, how I'm going to perform and what it looks like to be winning. And to do that so often that I mentally am creating the muscle memory that I'm going to physically have later on. I've, I've created what winning already looks like. Having these tools allows us to take that uh, kind of visualization to the next level. So the things I think of is... Think about practicing your dribbling as a soccer player or your dribbling as a basketball player. And if you can put the headset on and have someone practicing with you virtually, so you see somebody in front of you and you're practicing a technique, you could practice that technique with better visualization instead of just trying to do it yourself. Now you physically can see something in front of you and you can practice. So to your point, that can take somebody 
who's good at what they're doing and maybe become great or someone who is great but hasn't gotten there yet. And you find as a coach, you find that diamond in the rough because you've helped again somebody to 10x in less time. And, and I think there's an interesting thing there because it helps with a lot of the visualization. I, I totally agree. These are all impressive tools to help people down the journey that, that they're kind of going on from any sports perspective. Um, I think it could also, like one thing we haven't talked about is the, and you see this in kind of Formula One, but I think it could be elsewhere. Having, kind of measuring, you know, oh, well, this is the kind of impact they may have taken. You know, this is how they're actually functioning. Like, um, be able to get a lot more metrics on how well someone's actually doing at any particular time. Well, think about um, the movie that was out, that right? Is like in soccer, you're running for 90 minutes straight. And, oh, well, I've had my, you know, striker out there for 70 minutes. He's usually running at, I don't know, four miles an hour, whatever. I'm just making numbers up. But over the last five minutes, he took a hard, you know, um, a hard tackle. And now he can only run a 2.5. Like, oh, like, like he's clearly injured. And so maybe that's the guy I want to sub off to be able to get somebody in to potentially change the tide of a game. Like that is information in kind of real time that could be very interesting to, to coaches and, and others to help improve their overall team metrics. Yeah. I, I, I think that's um, an interesting mix of taking IOT and the augmented virtual reality together so I can get those stats and then oh. figuring out how to play, how to, how to manage your team better, right? As a coach. Cause if you, as a coach on the sideline, if you have the ability to look up and see all your team players and all of those stats, all of that information real time, or you just see it on an iPad where you're holding it, whatever, but you know, you're getting all those stats, all the statistics, you can make better choices. Um, I think there's a second part to what you said, which is if I'm, I'm watching the game, and I'm interested in that more like watching a movie, like all these racing movies that have come up lately. Right. People like yeah. seeing the game or seeing the seeing the sport from the eyes of the of the the actual like driver or, you know, something else. So so where it where it takes me is the idea if I could see through the eyes of the player. So if I like if I like racing, I want to see from the front of the car. Like if you let me pick my favorite driver and interact more as if I was with that driver, like it was a game almost. Right. People, I think, would love that. I'd like to see that if you well, that actually already exists, believe it or not. Does it, it? It's not not as good as you might hope for in some ways, but it's definitely a lot better than it used to be. So Sky Sports does a lot of the F1 coverage, at least definitely here in the, in the States, made through ESPN. But, you know, you can you know, through their kind of system, you can watch, be in the cab with every driver and watch what's, what's actually happening. And you can see their throttle and their brake and their shifting and, and basically everything. And you can just follow them through the entire race if you wanted to. You see, and I think that's, and I didn't know that really existed because I don't watch a lot of racing, but, um, I enjoyed watching the movies. So when I saw the movies, then it made just like a lot of people, it made, it made me, like uh, have a little bit of an interest, right. To go back and see of, you know, how is racing nowadays? You know, how can I interact with the drivers and, and that kind of stuff? Yeah. 
Well, and I know I've, I've mentioned this in a handful of other podcasts, but if you, if you were thinking about a, you know, kind of a augmented reality, or this is really kind of more VR, but you could, if they had a camera and they already kind of do, it's super, super shaky. But if you could have a camera in there and then have an aug- augmented reality where you could look around and see everything that's going on inside of that race car or take something like rally where, you know, they have a, um, you know, kind of a co-pilot that's telling them what turns and everything are coming up. You could just sit in the co-pilot seat right, and be able to ride inside of you know, whatever car and going down, whatever kind of track there might be. Yep. And I I think that would, that would gain fans in different sports where the, they don't have right. Those fans today, I guess it would, it would increase the fan base because the fans are going to come in for different reasons. Just like, um, (laughs) it's not really a sport, but it's, it's entertainment is look at wrestling, right? Wrestling is a, uh, more entertainment. People like it because of the storylines nowadays, and they like it more for than just the wrestling. But then you have, if it was real wrestling, the wrestling. Um, One thing I always thought was funny about like WWE, <laughs> it was like for the longest time, it's like it's fake, it's fake, it's fake, and like there's this whole argument about was it real or fake. And then they finally came out and they're like, yeah, it's fake. And everybody just loves it. Yep. It's just it is a it is a male soap opera. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And. It, it, and people still love it. It's I, I never really got into it, but I, I got nothing against. It. I think it's pretty, pretty funny. Right. But if but you, you look at that, cool there's stuff with VR there, too. But there's storyline and then there's the actual sport part of it. Right. So we can yeah. learn from it and say, OK, now as you come back to the other sports, there are certain things people want to to know they want to read on. So I just watched uh, Grand uh, Turismo. Yeah. Um, on TV. And, and it was done nice. It was a nice movie about, you know, Nissan and the car and the driver who came from actually playing the arcade, you know, playing the, the video game first. And you might enjoy the movie because you enjoy the narrative, you enjoy the background, you enjoy all that. So this is this is almost trying to or it is providing the ability to bring some of that content in. Right. If I have the ability to look at all the stats for the players, the background, the history of the car, the history of the companies, if I can look up information. So I don't watch sports a lot. You know that I know that my time I have, I don't spend sitting in front of a TV watching sports, but I enjoy it if I sit with friends. So I don't keep up with teams. I don't keep up with players. I don't keep up with a lot of that. But when I'm watching it, I want to know all that information. So for me, that extra narrative in a headset or on my phone, um, would allow me to participate better with the people I'm sitting with. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there's a, a value in that because you and I might go to sit down and see a game and you're like, Oh, did you watch the last game? No, I didn't see the last game. Um, do you know this player? I don't know that player. Now, if I can pull all that information up in a, you know, in a second, now I can, I can have a conversation. I go, Oh yeah, I see here. This happened. This happened. Great. And then you're filling in, I'm filling in. Now it's a good interaction. Now it's a good game. So we're adding back some of that energy <laughs> that we were talking about earlier that the, the virtual referee might take away, right? We can, we can add that back in because now I can participate better. Or what if we have our other halves with us and our other halves don't watch at all, but they want to participate. Now they can look on the phone or the, on the headsets and they can get the same content and now they can ask questions and they can interact. 
you know, I sat down for a soccer game I was watching and, you know, Lee had asked me, she goes, what are the rules? And I'm like, well, that's a good question. I had a thought when I was going through my notes. um, What if I had the ability to do the virtual headset with um, a training almost like a new to this game kind of interaction where she could put the headset on and she could watch the game with me. And it's telling her why this was called, why they just played this play, why they did something. So the same question she was asking me, the headset could almost explain as you were going through it, you know, like you could create a really interesting um, uh, tool set for new people coming to see the sport. So you didn't have to try to read a website telling you what are the, what are the, the rules of golf? What are the rules of basketball? Now you can put the headset on and kind of learn as it went. Yeah. And that's um, another concept that is kind of come up of creating kind of smaller games out of these kind of bigger sports where you've seen, you know, um, like skill competition in hockey. Like they do that every year. The um, basketball, they've tried out like three on three kind of competitions instead of, you know, full teams. There's the, um, the like Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy are really putting together a kind of tech infused um, indoor golf league. Okay. Which is kind of the epitome of embedding tech with golf golf is generally played on this gigantic 18 hole course that's 100 plus acres usually well they've come up with like it's called tgl but the it's supposed to start in january but it got bumped out a year but they're playing essentially in a stadium where they have this gigantic monitor the long um the long shots are going to be done on a simulator. So like what we talked about before, but the shorter shots are going to be played live. Like there's going to be grass, there's going to be sand, there's going to be a, um, like a, a, a green of some sort that changes. Okay. Where they can change the undulation of green. So basically the drives are going to be done on a simulator and the rest of it is going to be done kind of live in front of us, in front of a big stadium. Kind of the, uh, uh, you know, top golf yeah, yeah. turned into to something more interesting. And it's got just tech infused through all of it. It's a team game, you know, where it's team versus team. And the, the rules are much simpler. And it's only going to be like an hour long. So instead of sitting around watching four hours of golf coverage Thursday through Sunday, you can basically watch this happen in an hour on Monday night. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder if some of this is going to ruin sports in some ways, instead of actually helping it. Like, can you get like anything, right? Can we do too much? Do we, do we take away some of the, what the game actually was by creating these small games because consumption for people is, is smaller, right? People look at things on their phone. They don't read an entire article anymore. They only read the headlines or, you know, we have, we have attention deficit. So now are we doing that to sports where, where we think this is going to help? It's actually going to hurt. Well, so this is where we're, you know, you can just call us boomers. Um, But the younger generation and these traditional sports don't get along a lot of younger people aren't watching 
these, a lot of these sports, they're just not. And a lot of this has to, I think a lot of what you're seeing here is something trying to make some of these things more relevant and to keep the sport from dying in general. Like golf is a great example. The, the average, and I'm, I'm pulling this off the top of my mind. So please, if I get it wrong, I guess this is close, <laughs> but the, the average age of a, of a viewer of PGA tour is like 65 years old. Right. Something like that. And that's not been changing. And so how do you, you know, the, the popularity of something like top golf has hit all kinds of, you know, age ranges. People love it. It's, I mean, it's just blowing up everywhere. So how do you take a sport that is still loved by a majority of people, but bring it into the younger generations and, and give it to people in a way that is a lot more palatable to your point about, you know, Leah watching a game with you. It's hard to figure out all the rules of soccer, but if you're, if you're playing a match against someone in, in golf, they got to get the ball in the hole faster than this guy. Right. It's basically the rules, right? <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. I think that is a, I think we're going to have to see how that plays out with, you know, the traditional sports numbers betting, you know, these new kind of weird things people are trying to put together. It's a, it's going to be interesting to see what the, the future of some of this looks like. And like the, the other item to this is the interactive stadiums. But it comes up, right? So they have the LA Rams, right? The Los Angeles Stadium did uh, uh, the ability to take. About that. Huh? <laughs> I said I am a little bitter about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you may not know, but the Rams were in St. Louis for for a time, and yeah, yeah. they left. <laughs> so and that bothers Sorry you. To me. I, I see. No, no. It's it, I hit a pain. I hit a nerve. <laughs> <laughs> but think about the the idea with the stadium, anyway. And you can take pictures with fans and then you can share it on social media and you they have, I think, a setup in there where you can interact as if you were like, what would it be to be in the locker room or what is it like to to be part of the team? And you're interacting more with the experience of the day in a life of now. Does that bring, like you said, more of the younger generation in because now it's more like a video game. It's more of a social media type of an event instead of just a sporting event. Yeah. Yeah. And you actually bring up a, an interesting thing there. Of, you know, the one, the one piece of all of this that we really haven't talked about yet, which is esports, and the rise of esports over the last uh, five, 10 years ish, yeah. I guess is, you know, really probably more closer to five than 10. But, you know, when you think about the rise of esports and, you know, there's legitimate major league sports, esports events. Yeah. And I can't say I've ever watched any of it, but <clears throat> the young folks love it. There's a, there's a huge, you know, um, population of people that grew up playing all of these different video games and, and they look at it as something that is to them. It's better a sport. than, than yeah. some of these other traditional sports. Yeah. And, and very much so for people who have grown up working on uh, playing on consoles their whole life. And now for them, it's, it's a sport. It's a true sport. 
you know, yeah. uh, League of Legends, right? That was one. I mean, I watched some of them online, um, and I have no problem watching them online. Uh, it was nice to put in the background. Um, I don't. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to interact with like regular sports. Is it, are we going to get to a point in time where the sports that we know today that we say are sports all become virtual online and then it doesn't switch over to a, a digital aspect only where, you know, people are watching on TV only watching virtually only. So now the players are virtual. Now all the screens are virtual. All the information is virtual and there's no one actually yeah. playing anymore. And uh, that's a, uh... I don't know. I, I don't know if we'll ever get that far. I mean, ever is a long, long time, but. Well, we'll be gone by the time it might happen, but we've yeah. seen enough sci-fi shows to, to wonder if that could actually happen. Yeah. I think there's, this, there's always going to be something about, you know, kind of humans playing sports. <laughs> um, I mean, yes, it's a human playing a video game, um, but I don't know. Again, this is just me talking as a boomer, I guess, but I, I don't see how that's going to completely take over, but it's definitely going to take a big chunk. I think it, it, I think it supports a certain group of people who definitely enjoy that and those types of sports over regular sports. But I do think that the rise of esports is indicative of regular sports kind of maybe degrading a bit as certain um, age groups of people start to die off, I guess. Right. Well, so you, you, you definitely see it in the kind of minor, um, you know, kids playing sports, like kids playing baseball and soccer and football. Those numbers are way down, right. Way down. And you know, the, that does coincide with the rise of these, you know, kind of esports. If you were a kid and that never got pushed outside like we did or I did to play sports, our parents threw out us threw us out of the house. You know, go do something. Don't come back till it's getting dark. And so you went with your friends and you played football on you know Sundays in the mud and you played soccer and you ran around and you know you did stuff. You were outside all the time. Yeah. You weren't on a computer. And nowadays, I don't think it's the same. Nowadays, it's kids are on their phones all the time. They're playing computer games all day long. The movie I mentioned that I watched recently was about a kid playing a, a, a you know, a, draw, a race simulator in his bedroom every day, all day. You know, he, he never left the house. He pretty much played a race car simulator, you know, at his house all day. So he wasn't going to go and run around and kick a soccer ball. That was the entire, you know, movie. Yeah. Well, I think there's also a, you know, as a, as a kid, you want to be able to go do the things that, you know, oh, I want to watch this guy and I can go play the same game this guy's playing and I can go do the same sport this guy, you know, there's something to that. And I think that, you know, with the the rise of a lot of these kind of esports, but also the, these games are good. I mean, really, I've, I've been on the fence of buying a, um, like a racing simulator Yeah, for a little while now. And well, one, the amount of money you can spend on it is outrageous, but <laughs> these things are, I mean, they're not the games that we had when we were a kid. Oh, not at all. Yeah. It, Especially it if is, you get full simulators. Incredible. Yes. 
Yeah, if you do a race simulator, like you're saying, like you said that to me before, it's like 20 grand for you to build what you'd want, and it feels like you're in the car. Yeah, for a, for a really high-end one, yeah, it's about 20 grand. You could probably do one for three or 4,000, but still, it it's incredible how... And you can you can race any kind of car, any track in the world. Almost, it's it's the physics of it. You can buy them where the ground moves and the pedals feel like real pedals in a car. It's 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 freaking amazing. That's yeah, it's unreal. Like I've looked at flight simulators. Uh, they say you can practice in a flight simulator to go get your license for a pilot's license because yeah. depending on what components you buy and how you put it together, right? You can mimic some of the largest planes or the smallest planes and get the same airtime you'd have as if you were really in the plane. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Um, but to your point, it's still, you're going to spend several grand on that by the time you get done building it. Easy. And, and uh, you have to decide if you, are you really doing that for fun or you're really doing it not because by the time you spend all that money, you could have bought a real car, <laughs> you know, but well, but the, you know, when you think about, I mean, as someone that likes to do automotive based adventuring, yep. real cars are expensive. Real cars break. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, I just snapped another axle shaft. There's another 400 bucks. And I mean, it, it adds up pretty, it can add up pretty quick. Yeah. Well, the and nice that, thing about it is you can, like you said, test more cars, you can plan more tracks. And if you're truly putting the money into it, you can get one of the hydraulic frames that actually moves just like a car moves. And you can get the same experience, right? So one of the things that didn't happen in that movie that I wish would have been in the storyline just out of my own curiosity was the one um, chief mechanic who used to be a driver, who stopped driving because somebody got killed. I would have liked to have seen him try the simulator in the storyline to say if he made a very specific comment in the movie that he missed that point in time when you're driving where you just become one with the car and one with the road. That's basically what he was saying. And that he never had that again. Now, early in the movie, they show the kid Every time he got into the simulator, he would have that feeling. He would become one with the car. He'd become one with the road. And that was part of the storyline. But what they never showed was, could you take the the driver who only knew the car and put him into the simulator? And would he get the same feeling as if he was driving the car again, but having the safety of the simulator? Because that goes back to what you're saying is now, do you build your own simulator and you drive it and get all the same satisfaction of driving a race car with all the safety of the simulator, which is really what you want at the end of the day, a mix of both. Well, one, one thing that I can say, I, I don't know the answer to that question. But I know you don't. I, I just threw it out there. <laughs> is in formula one, they spend a awful lot of money building racing simulators to practice on drivers right? to drive in. Yeah. And, you know, to learn a track to, to, to try to test changes to a car. They, they do all of that stuff through, yeah. um, through a lot of these simulators. And I, I think it would be fun. You know, if we've been talking in general about kind of AR and VR and sports, but I think it'd be a really fun subset of, of, you know, podcasts to dive actually deeper into a singular sport. Like formula one has got technology 
that, you know, from 3D printing to racing simulators to, you know, they're talking about AR, VR helmets for uh, mechanics and, you know, pit crew. Like, it's, it's incredible. Like, we could spend a whole bunch of time talking about just that. Um, but I, I think that would be, it'd be pretty cool. But to go back to the simulators, they spend a ton of money on simulators because it is a very good analog for drivers to be able to work on their craft in a simulator versus right in a safe space on the track. And they don't accidentally crash the car that cost them a million dollars, right? Or whatever it costs for those cars. But uh, it's about $15 million for a car. Yeah. So you don't really want to crash a lot of control. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, and, and if we take that back into what we've been talking about with AR and VR, I have a virtual reality headset and I picked up a new game. I decided I wanted to play cause I like flying and I got a flight simulator one. And the difference between building out a rig like we're talking or just using a VR headset, I think is, I think they're polar opposites because if I build a flight simulator, with the hydraulic, it will move the way the plane should move in a way that I'm not going to get sick to my stomach and I'm not going to get, you know, kind of uh, vertigo, right? Where the virtual reality headset, though, it makes me feel like I'm sitting in the plane the best it can because my body's not moving where my brain thinks it's moving. You start getting the the turned stomach. You start getting the, the weird vertigo feeling sometimes because the the system is not truly supporting it. So even though I can build it in a virtual reality headset, it doesn't provide you the same kind of practice and training that you would get as if you had an actual rig. Yeah. Well, and I think that's where the combination and you kind of, you kind of said it there, but a lot of the, like at least the racing sims that I've seen, they just have like a three monitor setup trying to wrap around you to give you the ability to look around. If you were to, if you were to inject, you know, the, you know, kind of the VR headset and actually have it to where, you know, it, it's fully immersive at that point. And that is a pretty darn good experience. Yeah. You have the physical rig. So you're moving your body in the physical rig and you have the pedals and the steering wheel and everything. So you're physically doing it from a tactile standpoint and then put the augmented reality headset on so that you have that mixed reality feeling. Yeah. That would be amazing. Yep. But I mean, I know there's, it's my understanding the, um, like the formula one racing simulators cost around a million bucks, which is absurd. I mean, it's, but you know, they're also trying to mimic as much as they possibly can for a actual real car. Right. And they make money off it. So to them, you know, that money makes sense. Cause again, the million's better than the 15 million on the car. Like you said, that's right. Yeah. It's definitely an interesting topic. I, I don't, I don't know if it's going to help or hurt sports in general. That's the thing. Cause I just to the last piece of this I have in my notes is where I think we're going to screw it up is the ability of doing uh, marketing in this. So now if I have an overhead headset, right, either it's in my goggles or it's on my phone and I'm getting all this content and now I allow you to do more marketing. Then I go back to, Ready Player One book that I mentioned where they're trying to fill 85% of the screen with advertisements before they cause seizures. So I don't want to watch and get this data, but then also have to do the same thing I have to do on the web, which is skip through tons of advertisements to find the actual content I'm looking for. So does marketing, 
does marketing and some of the other things end up screwing up the experience we're trying to create with some of this? It, I think it absolutely could. It's all going to come down to, is this a platform you're willing to pay for and to not have advertising or is it something that you're wanting for free? Yeah. Fair enough. That's what we do for everything nowadays. I mean, you look at the, somebody's got to pay for it somehow about ads on YouTube. It's like, well, you know, YouTube premium costs like 15 bucks a month or something like that. You could get no ads for 15 bucks, but everybody wants to just bitch and complain about the ads that are on YouTube. And it's like, well, you know, you can make an argument that they make a bajillion dollars, but they've got to make money somehow. It's still a business. Business has to to make money in one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, in this, in this space, you know, when I think of like the, you know, kind of the mixed reality or virtual reality or, you know, I always go back to the vision pro, but like if you were to build that space, you could have well thought out ads in there that weren't just completely intrusive. Yeah. Or you could make it completely intrusive. And I think that's what will differentiate between what works and what doesn't work. And I agree with that hundred percent. And I, I think there's going to be a fine line between the two. And at some point it will cross over, unfortunately, as we've seen with some websites over the years and things like that, but not for everything, but I think it's going to happen in some areas and then people will push back and it'll go back and forth and we'll learn and things will get better. Um, overall, I think for this could be amazing. Anybody that's watched a, like a soccer game or even hockey, like, now, I mean, they have they have advertisements on the boards and hockey. They've got a ring of advertisements around the soccer pitch. And those are just generic ads at the current moment in a more AR VR world. Those could be tailored to the person watching. Right. But what you don't want is it. in so you don't want it in your face so much so that it's almost brainwashing you to buy these products because that's not right either. Like you're watching for the sport, not to have these things pushed into your brain because you're going to be, you're going to be so engulfed and and embedded into what you're watching. There's has to be a responsibility of the organizations to not. It's tough because everybody's trying to make money too. So there's a fine line. That's all. Well, I remember, I don't know if you've ever seen the documentary Futurama. No, I don't think so. They, they t- in there, they talk about, um, it's not a documentary. It's a cartoon show on, uh, um, but they, in there, they talk about, there's an episode where, um, Fry, who's one of the main characters wakes up and he wants to go buy this pair of underwear. Well, he just has this ultimate desire to go buy it. Well, it's because they were injecting ads into his dream. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what I'm talking and, about. <laughs> And, you know, it's like, oh, God, like at that point, it's like you've gone. Oh, my God, how far have we actually gone? But, you know, I think that's the, you know, that's the funny, you know, kind of, well, hopefully funny kind of dystopian view of things. That's the black mirror version of it. (laughs) a, A decent kind of middle ground of, hey, well, here's, you know, we're doing this, we're doing that. Like, of course, there's going to need the ads, but, you know, we can make it not suck quite as much as some of the things that we've seen now. Yeah, it's the Black Mirror version of uh, of where all this goes. Yeah. 
I do overall think this is going to be amazing when you look at it from the the coach and the players training side of it, I think could be pretty amazing. And I think the interactive while watching the game. So you're giving more stats and information and details that you might want to ingest. Like, I think those parts would be really good. I'm, yeah. I'm worried about it from the fact of trying to double down on the rules and how they manage and control the game. I think that's going to ruin some of the interaction that people have with the game. Um, and the marketing one bothers me that I think we could double down too much on selling space for advertisements to the fact that that ends up hurting the people watching it or just hurting the experience of trying to use the system. I, I totally agree. And I believe we already beat on the, you know, the, the problem with the rules. And I think that's the, that to me is the one thing we have to figure out, but the rest of it, I, I think it's super exciting. There's a lot of really cool stuff. And from a fan perspective, we've never been closer to the action. And in a lot of ways, because of what's, what's coming down the road and it really just getting started. And I think with, you know, with like, I've never really messed with like the meta, um, like the virtual reality stuff. Cause it feels very, you know, metaverse to me, which is honestly kind of stupid, but I, I, what I'm hoping for with like the vision pro, this is the catalyst that really starts to, to give people a platform to use for that. Yeah, it makes, it makes sense really of why you... you've had iPads, you've had phones, you've had things like that, but you've not really had a great immersive experience. And I think this might be the, finally the way to be able to help. Yeah, this is the this might be what creates the revenue that thus allows for more adoption of the actual headset. So when we were talking about, like you said, the Apple Vision Pro, which is a mixed reality, what's going to drive people to want to spend the money to buy it? And something like this could be that catalyst, which would be really cool because I'd love to see the headset used more widely because I still want to get the virtual office like Iron Man has so I can put the headset on and I can work in my office like, you know, Iron Man did for his. I want that. Right. Uh, well, this, this was fun. I think this, you know, I think there's a lot more we could cover here, but this was, this was cool. And I think there's, it's a, you know, in our predictions, I think this is going to be one of the things in 2024 that I really hope starts to spring to life more. Yeah, I agree. I think this would be a a fun uh, area to see grow a lot of opportunities and it would also help the technology in many different ways to, to move forward. So I appreciate the conversation, my friend. Yeah, Yeah, it's fun as always. Enjoy, uh, Enjoy the rest of your day. Hopefully your arm's going to make it. Yeah, yeah. Nobody else who is watching this knows, but I forgot my mic uh, stand. So I've been holding my mic up the whole time. <laughs> so I'm trying to drag this out as long as we can. Yeah, so yeah. We can. My fingers are numb. <laughs> there you go. Well, this, this was fun. So uh, thanks, everybody. And uh, if you haven't uh, checked out our website, please do. Bigbigcodesmall.io. We've got a bunch of written content there. We've also just spun up the youtube page everything else so give it a give it a shot let us know what you think yeah and we're gonna play with some video coming into january here there you go yeah cool thank you my friend thanks man appreciate it cheers cheers